Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. It was a disappointing Saturday for Texas Tech as they fall 38-30 to to Oregon in Lubbock and drop to 0-2 on the season. We'll talk about some things that looked a lot better than they did against Wyoming. What Texas Tech still needs to fix, including some play calling. Is there a quarterback controversy? There is. Why it won't change, why Tyler Shuck will still be the starter against Tarleton State. And more importantly, some good news, why this week isn't a complete bust. Because a five-star for the first time in Texas Tech football history has committed to Texas Tech in the likes of Micah Hudson. We'll talk about what that means for the program and more. So, I said last week that I expected a big performance out of Texas Tech against Oregon. And I didn't quite need to see a win to feel good about this team, but at least a good performance against one of the top 15 teams in the nation. And it started off really well for them. Obviously, you allow a couple first downs on that first drive, then you shut it down with a big third and law when you bring the blitz on third and 10. Then Tyler Shuck goes off with a big run. You throw it to Mason Tharp. He catches it in the corner of the end zone or the front corner of the end zone called back for a holding penalty, and then you still get a touchdown Miles Price. It was looking really good for Tech at that point. They came out hot. But what impressed me most after that, Oregon comes out, gets, what was it, a 68-yard a touchdown pass, something like that. And at that moment, it seemed like the momentum of the game could completely change on them. It seemed like Texas Tech could be playing catch-up. Okay, They had their moment, and then Oregon may just steamroll them. And that didn't happen this week. That did not happen. And really, the defense has a lot to do with that. Obviously, Oregon gets up 15-7. Texas Tech comes back, makes it 15-13. Really, with a nice pass to another tight end, which we're finally utilizing the tight ends more in this game, which I I don't get why we didn't do before. Mason Tharp is 6-9. Baylor Cup 6-6, they're such a matchup problem across the middle for any defense out there. And we finally saw them utilized a good amount today. I still like to see them utilized more. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied with how much we utilize them. But there were some huge errors that cost us in this game. At 15-13, we're moving the ball well. Tyler Shuck looked like he was in control. Obviously, we get a punt. Miles Price gets a really nice return, which we had trouble on special teams last year. And Miles Price, he looked pretty good in that punt return game. And so far, our special teams, uh, not so much the kicker per se, but the special teams return game has looked good this season with Miles Price back there returning punts. But you're driving the ball, and on second and six, the pocket collapse. Shuck tries to scramble, and he's scrambling to the left side. You're down two. You're at about the 12-yard line, and he fumbles the ball, goes back to about the 30. It looks like he gets on it, and he hits the ball with his left hand, going with both, bats it back. Oregon picks it up. That was a huge point in the game. Tech could have had a 2015 lead right there. Had all the momentum in the world, knowing that they're getting the ball to start the second half. And, you know, it's a tough mistake, but why is Tyler Shuck scrambling to the left? If he's scrambling to the left, he has to get rid of that ball there. It's only second down. You still have a lot of time left. 
you got to get rid of that ball. And I'm sorry, it was actually first down from the 12. But I thought the defense looked good before the end of the half. They held them to a field goal. The two-minute drill, really, 50-second drill for Texas Tech looked good. You got into kind of field goal range. Obviously, Gino Garcia misses the 56-yarder. But at that point in the game, you had to feel good about where Texas Tech was at. If you told yourself they would be down five at halftime, getting the ball to start the second half, especially after what happened last week in Laramie, you would feel good. But the frustrating thing with this one was there were so many opportunities for this one to look different, especially that fumble right before the half. That was one of the biggest moments in the game, and it wasn't a backbreaker. But it felt like a gut punch at the time. Like you could be on your way to putting this team away and you just quite can't, can't quite do it. But coming out of the half, Tech looked good. They gave the ball to Taj Brooks. Really gashed them for a 35-yard run, especially Tyler Shuck. And then Tyler Shuck puts it in. But then the second huge moment of the game occurs when Tyler Shuck... Right after you block a punt, you get a three and out with a two-point lead, block a punt, and then your six-year quarterback drops back and fires it to Jerram Bradley. I honestly don't know what he's thinking there because that ball was so inside of Jerram Bradley. It was just an easy pick. It didn't even give Jerram Bradley a chance to really make a play on the ball, which, I mean, if you're going to throw balls up or – Throw it to Duran Bradley. At least make it a 50-50 ball if you're going to make it a risky one because he can go up and get it. At least give the guy a chance to make a play. But, I mean, I was in the stadium after that block punt. It it seemed at that point you're on the 41-yard line. You're up two. You made a mistake before the half. But everything's turning back into your favor. The defensive line, that front seven, was really getting after Bo Nix that game. Bo Nix, he didn't have a bad game by any stretch. But he was under pressure all day. That defensive line did not look like the defensive line that we saw in Laramie. That Hutchings and Bradford looked good on the inside. Cole and Linton were setting edges, getting pressure. It looked like a completely different defensive line. And by the way, Ben Roberts, he had to fill in, start at the Mike position. Josiah Pierre had to move over. Both of them, I thought, played pretty well. And speaking on the, of the defensive front, right after that intercept, well, not right after, they converted a couple third downs. I mean... We'll talk more about the 500-foot view after this. But that third and one, when they're around your 25-yard line, they do, I don't know whether it was an inside run, that the running back to the outside or what, but you stop him there. Then they go with a QB sneak on fourth and one, which they've already beat you at once this game. And the defensive line just absolutely stood them up, just stood Bo Nix up. And then right after that, Zach Hitley, credit to him. He has the guts to go with the double reverse. Tyler Shuck hits Dre McCray. Shuck, next play. Maybe not next play exactly, but looks to the right. Pump fakes there like it's a fake wide receiver bubble screen. Duran Bradley's free. Touchdown. You're up nine points. You know, Oregon's driving down the field. They're, they're within the 10 by the end of the third quarter, but... 15 minutes to go, you're up nine. You should be able to hold on to that lead. Obviously, Oregon scores a touchdown right after that. You get forced into that fourth down. And I will say, I don't know the play call here. I don't know the play call here. But I do not like the QB draw there. It seems like one that you can run on second and short. 
maybe third and short when you know there's a good chance you'll go for it. I don't like that play call on fourth and short. And this is something that we talked about. Third and fourth and short yardage, Zach Kitley was not good at calling those plays last year. And I will say, if this was an RPO, because Jordan Brown is on the left side, his the guy lined up against him blitzes. He goes out. He has at least five yards of space before Tyler Shuck's completely committed that he has to run the ball. Tyler Shuck, if it was an RPO, could have hit Jordan Brown for an easy first down there. And that's one that if you go back, pause it right as he takes off running, look at Jordan Brown on the top of your screen. Jordan Brown was wide open with that with an easy first. Then, obviously, we get to another huge point in the game. So if the fourth down was the third big point in this game that cost us, this one was out of our control. Third down... You have Bo Nix scrambling. He's running for his life back there. Throws up a ball. Dedrion Taylor Demerson, the rabbit, makes a nice deflection on it. Then Malik Dunlap makes an insanely acrobatic play. This could have looked like TCU in 2015. Don't get me wrong. After the rabbit tipped that. But he makes an insane play. Clearly gets a foot down and bounds. The ball moves, but he never loses control. They call it on the field. Immediately after, they're calling it an interception. The back judge is calling it an interception. They call that one off, say it's incomplete, go to review, and the call stands. And I just don't get that. I That was a catch. We talk about the Des Bryant one and how Des Bryant, that one would be a catch now. Well, that was clearly, clearly more of a catch than the Des Bryant one was. And it's in, it's insane to me. You get a field goal on the next drive. You get put back. It's third and 12. Tyre Shuck, pocket kind of closes in. He runs as long as he can. Can't find anybody. Does the right thing. Throws it away. Gino Garcia hits a 45-yarder. And we'll talk about why that's important later. But, I mean, this team was humming then. Obviously, they're driving down the field. You get a huge stop on third down. Get the ball back. You're only down one. And then you're moving the ball. And Tyler Shuck on second and three. Looking for the first down. I get it. But he throws a pick six. And you had Miles Price wide open in the middle. If you pause that, Miles Price is breaking. He has at least he's he's at the first down marker, has at least five yards of space. And Miles Price is one of the the main guy. That if you're going to give him the ball in space, you're going to trust him to make a play with it and get you even more. You could have been 10 yards away from field goal range with 35 seconds to go in a timeout after spiking the ball and had second and 10. Instead, it's a pick six. And look, the game's done at that point, basically. Eight-point game. You end up throwing an interception at the end. We, we have to talk about the game as a whole. But man, this team was so close. There were five different plays that could have decided this game and made it a different outcome. And I will say, Tyler Shuck, 24 of 38 on the day, 282 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. I'm not going to hold that last pick against him. He also had 23 carries, counting sacks for 101 yards with a long of 58 and a touchdown. Tyler Shuck, he looked more like he did against Ole Miss in this one. 
He was willing to run the ball. He made some good decisions. But he also, his errors came at the worst possible time. He throws a pick right after we have all the momentum up by two. First play after that, after the block punt, he throws an interception. He throws a pick six. Uh, a pick six with the game on the line down one when Miles Price was wide open across the middle. And then he fumbles the ball. He doesn't hold on to it. Can't get it back right before the half when you're only down two and already in field goal range. I mean, this this game could have been so much different for Texas Tech here. It really could. And now I will say, Tyler Shuck, his play did keep you in it, but it also lost you the game. It really did. You, you held Bo Nix to, well, you didn't hold him to much. He got 359 yards, but a lot of that was off of that 72-yard touchdown. Jerram Bradley, he had a pretty good game. He dropped a ball. Tyler Shuck, by the way, did not get helped out by his receivers in that first half. Bradley dropped a ball. Uh, J.J. Sparkman dropped a ball. I'm spacing on the third one who did, but there were three guys that dropped balls in crucial situations for you. And we had a big Jerram Bradley drop against, um, or I'm sorry, I believe against Houston. But we had a big Bradley drop against Wyoming last week. And now it happened again in this one, and it was a short play, and he made some good plays to make up for it. Xavier White got a lot of usage, four receptions. Mason Tharp, we're talking about the tight ends here, four receptions, 37 yards. Baylor Cup only got one reception for six yards, but I like that we utilized Mason Tharp in the passing game more. Tharp also got a touchdown. Price, four receptions for 31 yards with a touchdown. And if he got a fifth reception, if he got that ball thrown to him at the end, this game could have been so much different. But one thing that is insanely frustrating to me, Taj Brooks, six carries for 66 yards. Did you hear that right? 66 yards. He got six carries. Maybe he should have gotten more than six carries in this game. And I will say, I get he had a 35-yard run inflating those numbers. You know what 66 minus 35 is? 31 divided by 5. That is over 6 yards a carry for Taj Brooks. And he got 6 touches in this game and he's your starting running back. I just, I don't get it. On the 4th and 2, if we're going to run the ball, I get Tyler Shuck. He's a decent runner. But if it's 4th and 2 and you got to run the ball, maybe give the ball to the guy that even excluding his longest run, is averaging over six yards a carry and it has a scholarship and an NIL deal to come here and run the football. I, I just don't, I hate that we're not using the running game as much. I hate that the runs revolve around our quarterback. In 09, or I'm sorry, 2008, Colt McCoy was the leading rusher from, for Texas and it worked for them. But it was because they didn't have a they had him scrambling all the time, and they didn't have a great running back behind him. You have a really good running back behind you have a really good running back in Taj Brooks, and we're just not utilizing him. I I just I cannot wrap my head around that. Why are we not utilizing him? 
I said I know that we're getting him the ball out of the backfield. And now Tosh Brooks, he is a good run blocker. He does help out in that regard. But that's his job on passing plays. Not on every play. There should be more run plays. And now he got four catches for 18 yards. He's averaging 4.5 yards a catch. Not not bad. But I'd rather the six yards a carry, excluding his long, and knowing that he is a guy that can break it for 35 yards and completely flip the field on him. And one note on the running backs. Anquan Willis got in the game. He's a talented freshman. He got a carry, got five yards. Okay. He's a talented freshman running back. I believe Cameron Valdez may have been out for this game. But if we're only going to call seven run plays to the running backs on our roster, and Xavier White got a couple carries as well, could we possibly give those seven carries to the guy averaging six yards a carry when you discount his longest run of the game? I, I, I know it's a wild thing. To say that you think the guy who's literally now being paid to run the football should run the football. I think Taj Brooks should probably be able to run the football a bit more. And that is something that needs to change going forward. And we're going to talk about this. Tyler Shuck. 38 pass attempts. 23 carries. He had some sacks. We're, we're just not going to count the sacks, okay? Not counting the sacks for the purpose of this exercise. But he touched the ball. Okay, discounting sacks. He had 38 attempts and 23 carries. That is for a total of 61 attempts. We gave the ball to our running backs nine times. We trusted him with the ball 61 times. 87% of the time, we were trusting Tyler Shuck with the football. And I'm sorry. Tyler Shuck, I think, is a pretty good quarterback. But there is no way the ball should be completely in this guy's hands on 87% of plays. And that is discluding sacks which would mean it's in his hands even more than that more like 90 percent of the time we are relying on shuck to either throw the ball or run the ball instead of taj brooks to run the ball or cameron valdez or bryson donnell or anquan willis i i just i can't understand that i cannot understand that why Are we so resistant to running the football? What running back? Okay, we had a good recruiting weekend. I'm going to talk about this later. We had a really good recruiting weekend. But how many more running backs are going to want to come here? When only 13% of the time are we trusting our running backs with the football? I'm not saying we need to be trusting them with the football 70% of the times. I'm not even saying 50%. Maybe 25 to 30% of the time to trust the running back with the football wouldn't be a bad idea. Maybe. And going forward, I have to say, you went up against a Heisman Trophy contender. The Ducks scored 38 points. Seven of those came off of a pick six. 31. Another one of them, you held them to a field goal after a turnover. A couple of them you did. 
you got to feel good about where this defense is at right now. You, I mean, you can't have any complaints on this defense. It, there, there's some things to work out, but again, it, it wasn't your defense costing you the game this time. Is your offense making these big mistakes? The defense made the plays. They stopped them on fourth down. They held them to field goals when they needed to. They gave up that 72-yard touchdown. They couldn't hold Oregon on third downs all the time, but they were forcing them into those situations, and they converted on enough of the third downs to give you a chance to win this football game. Bo Nix, he had a pretty good day. 32 of 44 for 359 yards with two touchdowns, and he also... Carried the ball nine times for 46 yards. But you got to. And by the way, I want to give a shout out here. Ben Roberts got a sack today. Oregon didn't give up a sack against Georgia last year. Georgia last year. Ben Roberts got a sack. Your backup, Mike. Probably your third choice, Mike, if everything would have gone to plan with Kosai Eldridge and Isaac Smith. He got a sack. Oregon didn't give up a sack until November of last year, and you got a lot of pressures on Bo Nix today and still managed to sack off of him. So I want to give credit where credit's due. Ben Roberts also got 12 total tackles with six solos. He was tied with the Rabbit for most total tackles. It it's just frustrating to to see your defense put up this kind of performance and your quarterback throw an interception right after a block punt, fumble the ball, and the offensive line didn't help. It is not all on Tyler Shuck, much like it was not all on Shuck last week. And the receivers dropped balls as well. But he did that. He did both of those, and then he threw a pick. On the game-winning drive when he had Miles Price open over the middle. And now, I personally would love to see Baron Morton. And it's not because I think that Tyler Shook's a terrible quarterback. But Baron's obviously the future. He's obviously the most talented quarterback in this QB room. And he's the guy that has the highest ceiling. And I'm not giving up on this season. Now, I'm going to explain why I'm not giving up on this season in a bit. But it is so frustrating to see, and you hear people talking about people inside the program saying, uh, "How ma- when will we look at replacing the quarterback? 0-5 is what the answer was. 0-5. That would mean you lose to Tarleton and West Virginia before you even debate changing the quarterback. Tyler Shuck... He should be splitting time with Baron Morton next weekend against Tarleton because both of them should be ready. Both of them need to be ready for West Virginia next week because if Tyler Shuck at this point, and he didn't, he made some crucial errors, freshman errors that cost us this football game, but he wasn't terrible all 60 minutes. But if he is struggling like he did against Wyoming, there is no reason in two weeks' time when you're playing less than two weeks time now, when you're playing West Virginia, that you shouldn't be willing to give Baron Morton a shot if Tyler Shuck is struggling. And they both need to be ready next week. They both should see time against Tarleton this week. So where does this leave us on both sides of the ball heading into Tarleton? Tarleton is a high-flying offense. They've 
scored over 50 points their last two games or are averaging over 50 points. They're a high-flying offense. Our defense should shut them down. We'll have more to say about our defense next week because I thought their job was to contain Bo Nix this week, contain that Oregon offense, and I thought they did that. And I thought Ben Roberts looked pretty dang good in in his first ever start for you. I thought he looked pretty dang good, which is a good sign, not just for this year, but next year and 2025 and maybe even 2026 because he's only a redshirt freshman. But going into next week, I liked where our secondary looked. I'm going to be interested against Tarleton to see how they look against another high-scoring team, although with less athletes on it. I want to see our defense get after them. I want at least three, four sacks against Tarleton. That would be my hope. And offensively, can our wide receivers stop stop dropping passes? Because we shouldn't. This is not the Matt Wells era anymore. We shouldn't be worried about any FCS team like Matt Wells made us worry about them. Can our wide receivers stop dropping passes? Can Zach Kitley call some plays to get Taj Brooks involved? Can he call more run plays? Can he call more plays to Baylor Cup and Mason Tharp? And for that matter, Jaden York, because he had a great catch against Wyoming. And can Tyler Shuck, for the love of God, play a clean game? Not make these freshman errors. Because this guy is almost as old as me, and I graduated over three years ago. He cannot be making these type of errors at this point in his career. Also, we need to see Baron Morton get some reps. And I'm not talking about fourth quarter. I'm talking about fourth, fifth drive of the game. You give him a drive. He needs to get some opportunities to go out there and get ready. Because he may need to be ready come Big 12 play, especially when you open in Morgantown. He should be ready for that. Because if Tyler Shuck is having an off day, you need to put Baron Morton in. And if you're committed to Shuck as a starter, fine. If you think he's best to win you games, fine. But you have a very good quarterback behind him. That is your future. Could use experience. And it can also be a guy that can jumpstart a struggling offense. And we should have seen that against Wyoming. And Tyler Shuck, for all that he's done well, has put himself in this position where there is a QB controversy. In addition to that, I want to talk about special teams. I thought Austin McNamara, last year going into the year, I thought it was ridiculous he wasn't preseason all-first-team Big 12 punter. He struggled last year. He has been very good so far this year. I want to keep seeing Miles Price. Can he keep? doing well in the return game. In addition to that, Gino Garcia. He went one for two after he went two for five. He missed a 56-yarder. You cannot hold that against a college kicker. I'm sorry. I saw some people arguing me saying, oh, well, he was one for two. That's not a good game. It was a 56-yarder, guys. And then he knocked a 45-yarder in with the game on the line. You, that is going to do so much for that guy's psyche after going 2 of 5, hitting the go-ahead field goal with just over 5 minutes to go against Oregon from 45 yards out. 
That was a clutch kick, and I guarantee you that Gino Garcia is going to be much better from here on out because he made that kick. So that is one positive, although it doesn't matter at this point. One positive you can take looking forward to the rest of the season and Big 12 play is your kicker probably got his mind right today, and he's a really good kicker, by the way. But enough on the field action, because as we know, it doesn't matter what happened on the field. And Monday morning, it was on three, their podcast or whatever it is, YouTube show, whatever. They were coming out, talking about, oh, Micah Hudson, he's probably going to schedule an official visit with Oregon. They've emerged as a new t- guy in this race to beat Texas Tech to him. And, you know, I-, I left the game, and I was disappointed. But I was talking to people, and I was saying, you know, we had almost 180 recruits on campus. The average is normally about 120 across all sports. But I thought there's no way any recruit saw this game, saw this atmosphere, saw how fun it was. Saw this team take a college football playoff contender into to the to the depth and take them to the wire and said, ah, this place isn't for me. This place stinks. And wouldn't you know it, on Monday night, right after the Oregon stuff comes out, Micah Hudson commits to Texas Tech, the first five-star in Texas Tech football history. And I will say... Suck it, Ducks. Um, we we beat you in the end. We got the important one. We got the five-star. Yeah, you all get more, but we got this one. So we, we get the last laugh, even though it doesn't feel like it at all, and it's really a lot of coping for me to say that. But we get the last laugh on the Ducks. We get Micah Hudson. And this guy, if you watch his highlights, and I was just watching like four-game highlights with him, one thing he does after touchdowns, he just gets up and hands the ball. He helps the defenders up. He seems like a real humble guy, quite honestly, for for a wide receiver. Which you all know, wide receivers they're like they're like DBs with a little bit more brain cells. They they're flashy. They they uh, they're cocky. They like the attention. He's he really isn't quite like that. But he commits Dex Tech. He would likely be starting for you against Tarleton if he enrolled today. He'd likely start against Tarleton if he enrolled today. He's going to be a starter day one next year. You're going to get at least three years out of the guy. Hopefully just three years because quite honestly, if you don't get just three years out of him, something's probably gone wrong. But Micah Hudson, he is a stud. He is the best athlete Texas Tech has ever gotten. He is an absolute game changer. And not just a game changer on the field. For this program, you now have a five-star. I remember two years ago, Texas fan, uh, Texas fans were saying, Tech will never get a five-star. Well, two years later, that was during the Quinn Ewer stuff, Tech got their five-star. They did. And I will say, some of the comments I've seen about this have been absolutely ridiculous. And I, I want to point a couple of things out here. They keep saying Texas Tech is 0-2. How could they get a five-star? How much money did they pay? I'm sure he got an NIL deal. Definitely. But Tech was in the lead. This guy was a silent commit since June. 
He was silently committed to Texas Tech since June. He has gone on saying, I'm not changing commitments. He committed after a loss. After the Wyoming loss. And people can't believe, how could Tech get a 5-star after starting 0-2? How is that possible? Well, I'll tell you what. Quinn Ewers was the highest rated recruit in history. Hadn't seen the college football field. Hadn't thrown a pass. Texas, two years ago, went 5-7, and seven, losing to a 2-10 and 10 Kansas team and got the highest rated recruit in history as a, tra- as a transfer the year he should have graduated. And now, a lot of Texas fans, and I will say this, if you just beat Alabama and you don't care about Texas Tech, you say they're not your rivals, and you probably knew you were out of the race for this guy over two months ago when he switched his, when he canceled his official visit to Austin. And you are tweeting mad right after being at beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa. You're mad that a 17-year-old and a five-star didn't choose your program. I'm sorry, guys. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it's just hilarious. Oh, how could a five-star choose an 0-2 school? Well, they cho- chose your 5-7 and seven school for 15 years. So that's how. It, and this guy's not going to decommit. I would be shocked if he did. I, I'd be shocked if he didn't s- sign during the early signing period. He may be one of the first signees of our class, even though he's one of the last verbal commits. And this class is now sitting with a chance to finish in the top 25. Guys, under Matt Wells, under Cliff Kingsbury, we're constantly in the 60s and 70s in recruiting. And now we're recruiting at top 25, top 30 level, year in, year out. And this is going to open the door for even more five stars. And we were 0-2 and we haven't had a single decommitment. I get there are frustrations with Joey McGuire. Don't get me wrong. I have them myself. But this guy obviously has this guy, this program headed in the right direction. And you could see by the way they respond to Wyoming when they were playing Oregon. This was a completely different football team. They played four quarters and they fought till the bitter end. And they looked good doing it. There is a lot of reason to not just be optimistic about the future when you get Hudson, when you get uh, Barron Morton at start, when you get Will Hammond, who went for over 800 total yards a couple weeks ago in a 6A football game. Well, 6 versus 5A, but a really good 5A program. There is reason to still be optimistic about this team. Now, think about this. During the Cliff era, it was win or lose, we still booze. That's really what it was. They were out on this season early. You have a lot of guys. Jalen Hutchings, Tony Bradford, Dadron Teller-Demerson, Tyler Shuck. Guys that could have probably gone pro last year. That said, no, I want to come back for my fifth year. Sixth year. They're not going to lose this locker room over starting 0-2. And I'll tell you this much. There was nothing after Saturday that could change this the trajectory of this program other than two wins against Tarleton State and West Virginia. And on the field for this season, that remains true. But getting Micah Hudson has changed the trajectory of this program and and has just infused this fan base. It really has. This is 
a massive deal. And I'm not a huge recruiting guy. I, I've gotten more into it. I've gotten a lot more into it. But this is the biggest recruit in Texas Tech history. And he's a guy that's going to be catching balls from Baron Morton and Will Hammond. And I'm sorry for Jake Strong, man. I really am. I think he's a good quarterback. But I don't think he's ever going to see the field here. This did so much for this program. And the Big 12 title, I'll tell you what. If we go win against Tarleton, look good. We go into Morgantown and win. We're, we're going to be right back here like we were before the season started talking about can this team win the Big 12 title because we'd be 1-0 and in Big 12 play, have Houston coming into town. We have Baylor on the road. There is no reason this team can't get to 4-2. and and 0-2 Baylor team who did look better this week, but there is no quarterback. There is no quarterback at Baylor. I trust they just lost to Utah's, what, third, second string, whatever it was. They didn't lose to Cam Rising. This, this season is far from over. And I will say the the performance against Oregon with the guys that came back last year that are the leaders in the locker room give me a lot of confidence that this team can still make a good run this season. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. If you can, give this one a five-star review. Send an email into jacksonmoody37 at gmail.com with a screenshot of your review, and we will get you a Heartland College Sports koozie. Um, if we make it to Arlington, I will buy you a beer at a beer at Jerry World as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. What looked like was going to be a sad episode ended up, you know what? We got our first five-star. We got a lot of season left to play, and this team is far from over. So wreck him. And uh, you know what? I'm a Texans fan, and this is the one week I'm okay with saying this. Texans teams, teams named the Texans always suck. So we should be it. We we should be one and two next week previewing West Virginia.